by it. Help us to learn something from it. And Father, I ask that you'd uh, just help us all to to be challenged by something, to learn something, to maybe change our lives in a certain way. We love you, Lord, so much. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well we're there in John chapter number 8. And we read that very uh, familiar, very famous story of the woman that was taken in adultery. And I want to just look at a few things in this story tonight. And uh, let's start with just with the scenario. If we, if we see what's going on, um, the first thing we notice is the bitter heart of the scribes and Pharisees. Look at verse 1 again. It says, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning He came again into the temple. And all the people came unto Him, and He sat down and taught them. So they're in the temple, they're in this building, and the, the Bible tells us that all the people came out, and He sat down and taught them. So this group has gathered around Jesus, and Jesus is now teaching them the Bible. Look at verse 3. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto Him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto Him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law condemned and the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? And they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So they, they, Jesus is in the middle of teaching a lesson. He's in the middle of preaching a sermon. He's got a group, in the, he's in the temple. He's got a group that's gathered around him. He's teaching them the Bible. And these Pharisees, they come and they just interrupt this lesson. They interrupt him in the middle of his sermon. And they just barge in. And they just, the Bible says, they bring in this woman who was taken in adultery in the very act. She, had, she was in adultery. They bring in the woman. They set her in the midst of everybody uh, who's there being taught by Jesus. Who's there uh, watching this. And they begin to ask Him a question. Now the first thing you've got to wonder, if you look at verse 4 in John chapter 8, it says, They say unto Him, Master, this woman was taken adultery. And look at the last four words of the verse. It says, In the very act. So the Bible says that these scribes and these Pharisees found this woman committing adultery while she was in the process of committing adultery. Now the question that I ask is, where's the man? You know, where's the guy who was obviously committing adultery with her? Um, they felt this need to bring this woman in adultery and bring her, you know, before this crowd and bring her before Jesus, but they didn't bring the, the, the partner, they didn't bring the man. And, and we'll see here very clearly that they weren't necessarily all that interested in uh, the sin or what the Bible says about it. The Bible tells us that they were just trying to, to tempt Jesus and they were trying to accuse Jesus and they were bringing Him uh, a question to try to catch Him in His words. But I want you to see the scenario. I mean, do you, do you see how disrespectful... I mean, imagine right now, if we're having a church service right now, I'm preaching to you and you're, and you're sitting there, you're listening, and if somebody were to walk in and just take control and just uh, kind of interrupt me and, and, and uh, start asking questions and just the disrespect of these scribes and these Pharisees. They went out and they found this woman. They bring her in the middle of the temple, in the middle of a service, and in the midst of the Bible says they set her in the midst of everybody. They interrupt Jesus and they search, uh, begin to ask Him questions. And if you look at verse 5, we'll look at the questions they asked. They said, Now, Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. And they asked Him, so they say, 
Well, here's what the Bible says. Moses in the law, in the book of Leviticus, he told us that if somebody's in adultery, if somebody commits adultery, the Bible puts the death penalty on that sin. Now you say, well, uh, you know, I didn't know that people got the death penalty for adultery. Well, obviously, you know, we don't do that in the United States of America. But in, 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 in Israel, when God gave the law, He gave the death penalty not only for killing somebody, but He gave the death penalty for different things. One of those things was committing adultery. Another one of those was witchcraft. Another one of those was... Um, Kidnapping, you know, so, so there's different reasons why God gave uh, the death penalty and they were to do it by stoning. So they're asking Jesus, they're saying, now the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But then they ask Jesus in the midst of everybody, but what says that? And if you look at verse 6, you'll see why they asked the question. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. So they were just tempting him, they were, they were testing him, and they wanted to be able to catch him in his words, they wanted him to say something wrong, so that they could accuse him. Now you've got to understand, what was the plan of the scribes, and what was the plan of the Pharisees? Why did they bring this woman, and why did they ask these questions? Well first of all, we've got to understand what they do not care about. These people could care less about this woman. They could care less about the Bible. They could care less about the law. They could care less. I mean, they obviously don't really care to keep the law. And they don't really care that, that, that the law was broken because they didn't even bring the man that was committing adultery with her. So they don't really care about the woman. They don't really care about the Bible. They just barge in the middle of the service, interrupt the teaching. No regard for Jesus Christ. No regard for this woman. No regard for the people. Uh, no regard for the Word of God that's being taught. No respect. What they do care about is, they only care about tempting Jesus, they care about catching Him in His words, trying to catch Him saying something wrong, so that they can accuse Him. And that's really all, every time you see the Pharisees going back and forth with Jesus Christ, they're always just tempting Him, and arguing with Him, and trying to catch Him in His words, and trying to get Him to say something wrong. And they were wanting to catch Him, and they, so they could accuse Him to the authorities, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But how do they plan to accuse him? Well, you got to keep... You know, a lot of people get confused with the story and they don't really understand what's going on. And it's really not that hard. If we just understand the, the scenario and we understand what's going on and we understand its context, you got to understand a few things. First of all, at this time, Israel and the Jews are not living in, their, in an autonomous kingdom, okay? The nation of Israel, they are not living under their own laws. This is not, they don't have a king of Israel like they did under uh, Saul or under David or under Solomon or, or when, the, when, the, when the kingdoms were divided and they had their prospective kings in Judah and in Israel. They're not living in an autonomous kingdom where their law is a Bible... They are right now living under the rule of the Roman Empire. In a few chapters, we're going to see that Jesus Christ goes to the cross, and He is put to death by the Roman empires. He is brought to Roman leaders, to Pilate, and, and, and different people that, of that matter. So, the, so we got to understand the context. The Jews are not living in their own country. Therefore, they cannot follow their own law. Alright? The Levitical law was the law of the land when they were an autonomous nation. But right now, they are under the control of the Roman Empire. So they cannot just make up laws, they've got to follow the laws of the Roman Empire. Now they were allowed to make small judgments, or small judgment calls that were in regards to, to the behavior of the people, but, but they weren't allowed to make big uh, judgment calls, and they definitely weren't allowed to put anyone to death. You say, well how do we know that? Well we know that from, if you go to John, just real quickly, to John chapter number 18, keep your finger on John 8, because we're going to go back there, but if you go to John 18... Verse 31, you'll see very clearly 
in John chapter number 18 and verse 31, the Bible says, in John 18, 31 is when Jesus is being ready to be put to death. And the Bible says, Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him, and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, Now, Pilate is saying to the, to, to the, the Jews there, he's saying, hey, I don't want to put uh, the Jews, to, I don't want to put Jesus to death, I, I, don't want, I don't find any fault in him. So he says, you take him and you uh, judge him according to your law. And if you look at the second part of that verse, verse 31 of John 18, then sent Pilate unto them, take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, it is not lawful for us to put any man to death. So the Jews said, hey, Pilate, we can only judge certain things in our law, but it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Because the Jews, they weren't allowed to put anyone to death. If someone was going to be put to death, was the, it was the Romans and the Roman Empire that made that call, and they wanted Jesus to be put to death. So he said, no, Pilate, you got to judge him, because we can't judge him, because we're not living in, in, uh, in autonomous Israel. We're under the Roman Empire. Do you understand that? Does that make sense? So if Jesus would have said, now, now you got to keep in mind, when they bring the woman in adultery to Jesus Christ, they said to him, the law commanded us, and they let us know that it's the law of God, because it, now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what says thou? So they're asking Jesus, the Bible says this woman should be put to death. But the Jews understand that they're under Roman Empire. They're not allowed to put people under, unto death. So they ask Jesus, what says thou? Now what they're doing is they're, back, they're putting Jesus, uh, they're backing him up to a corner, and they're, and they're really putting him in a, at a catch-22. Because if Jesus were to say, you're right, the Levitical law says that a woman and a man should be put to death when they're caught in adultery, go ahead and stone her, then they would have been able to accuse Jesus, and they would have said, you're telling us to break the Roman law, which eventually they did. When Jesus was put to death, they... they uh, See if I have the... I don't know if I even have that verse written down. Um, and and you, you were in John 18. Look at, look at John 19 with me real quick. John chapter 19 and verse 12. Eventually, the Jews got the Romans to put Jesus to death by accusing Him against the, against the Roman Empire. If you look at John chapter number 19, look at verse 12. John chapter 19, look at verse 12, the Bible says, And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. So Pilate, he's a Roman uh, ruler there, he doesn't want to put Jesus to death, he wants to release him. It says, And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou lettest this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend, whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. So they went to Pilate and they say, Hey, look, Jesus is making himself a king. They say he's the king of the Jews. And, and, and they say, if, if you let Jesus go, you're not a friend to Caesar. Because whosoever makes himself a king is no friend to Caesar. That's pretty much what they're saying. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called uh, the pavement, but in Hebrew, uh, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate says unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. So, if you see, this is what the Pharisees want to do. They want to have something that they can go to the Romans and say, Hey, Jesus is breaking the law, he needs to be put to death. Now, eventually, in John 19, they did that because they went to Caesar, or I mean, they went to Pilate, I'm sorry, and they said, Jesus makes himself a king. 
And that's, you know, that's why it says, And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. So they scared Pilate into crucifying Jesus by saying, If you let him go, you're not Caesar's friend. So they, the whole time, the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes and, and the high priests there, they were trying to find fault in Jesus so that they could accuse him. To accuse him to who? To the Roman authorities. Now you got to understand the scenario. If Jesus says, yes, stone her, she deserves to die because she committed adultery, and, the, and God puts a death penalty on adultery, and He would have said, yes, the Bible is right, the Levitical law is right, Moses is right, put her to death. Then they would have turned around and said, you're telling us to break the Roman law, and they would have accused Him to Pilate. Okay? But if Jesus Christ would have said, well, hold on a minute, it's not awful for us to put people to death because we're not living in Israel, uh, autonomous Israel. We're not in the kingdom of Israel. We're in Israel under the under the kingdom of, of the Roman Empire. We've got to follow the Roman law. Then they would have said, you're telling us to not follow the law of Moses. Do you see what they're saying? So they're trying, to, they're trying to catch him in his words and they're trying to tempt him so that they can accuse him. They're trying to embarrass him. They're trying to get him to say something wrong. And he really... Uh, can't, there, there's no answer to give because if he says put her to death then he's going against Roman law which would have been a sin for him to do but if he says don't put her to death then he, they would have said well you're going against the Bible because the Bible says to put her to death they, that, that's their plan they're trying they're trying to get him to say something wrong you know and if you remember you know they're always trying to get him to to say that he's that he that he's breaking the Bible also if he would have said don't put her to death because Roman law they would have said, well, you're breaking the Bible. And if you remember when he healed somebody, they're saying, you're breaking the Sabbath. They're always trying to get him either to say, either, either have a reason to accuse him against the Roman Empire by breaking the law of the Romans, or they're trying to get him to break the law of God so they can accuse him and say, look, this guy's a sinner. So really, Jesus has no way to answer this question and be right. And if you notice, we see how brilliant Jesus Christ is, and obviously because he's God... And how he answers the question. Look at verse 6. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But, look at, what, look at what Jesus does. Jesus stooped down with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So if you just imagine this scenario, Jesus is teaching a lesson, you know, maybe he's standing up, he's got the Bible, he's got a scroll, whatever they're using, a parchment, and, and he's preaching the Bible, he's teaching the Bible, there's a group there that's gathered, they, these Jews, these scribes, these Pharisees, they come in, and they interrupt the service, they bring in a woman, taking adultery, they set her in the midst, and they say, they, they tempt Jesus, they accuse it, they, so, they, they, so that they can accuse him, and they say, this woman is taking adultery, the Moses in the law tells us that she should be put to death, what do you say? And Jesus just... You know, obviously it was some sort of a dirt floor, and the Bible says he just stoops down to the floor, he takes his finger, and he just starts writing something on the ground. And the Bible says, here's the key word, he says, um, as though he heard them not. Jesus Christ pretty much ignored them. Now look, Jesus is put in a, in a situation where he's asked to make a... Listen to what I'm saying, because this, this will help you in your relationships, this will help you in your friendships, this will help you with your friends and your family members and, and, and spouses and future spouses. Jesus was put in a position where he was asked to make a judgment call on, uh, on a situation that he had no authority over. Okay? Obviously we understand that Jesus is God. Rebecca, wake up. I want you to look up here, okay? 
Obviously, Jesus is God and He has all authority to do whatever He wants. But He's put in a situation where in human terms, He has no authority. He's not a, a, a Roman leader, so He doesn't have the authority to say, put her to death. But He can't say, put her to death on, on, on the authority of the Bible, because they're not under the law of the Bible at that time. He has no authority. He has to make a judgment call, and He has really no authority to make that call. So what does He do? He just ignores them. And many times in our relationships, we get ourselves in trouble with friends, with our spouses, with our neighbors, with our co-workers, because many times we're so quick to judge and we're so quick to, to open our mouths and let people know what our opinion is in situations that we have really no business in judging. We have no business in giving a judgment call. Now look, the Bible says to judge righteous judgment. And you ought, you ought to be able to look at people's lives and, and judge it in a way where you learn from that. And every, You know, I heard people say this, and it's true. Everybody can be an example. Even Some people can be a bad example. You can learn something from everybody's life, even if they ruin their lives, even if they mess up their lives, even if they, they do everything wrong. We can look at their lives and learn what not to do. So obviously we're not saying, you know, we're not going to have this neo-charismatic philosophy that we shouldn't judge anybody and don't ever tell anybody, you know, don't ever say anything, that, and there's anything wrong with anybody and everybody's fine. That's not what I'm teaching, but what I'm saying is this, a lot of times we'll save ourselves heartache if we just keep our mouths shut. You know, many times we just overstep our boundaries in situations that have nothing to do with us. That have nothing to do with, with uh, you know, if I, if I hear a husband and a wife arguing, and I know that one's right and one's wrong. It's, it's not, you know, and I can prove from my whatever. It's not my place to tell them what's right or what's wrong. I have, and, and if they were to ask me, if somebody were to come and say, Hey, did you see so-and-so arguing with his wife? What do you think about that? It would be best for me to just keep my mouth shut. It'd be best for me to just ignore the situation. Because look, if you don't have authority to, to do anything, then why even bother? You're just going to hurt people, you're just going to upset people, you're just going to say something that later on someone's going to turn around and accuse you. And many times we need to just learn as Christians, when, you know, we obviously we, we have friends with people, you know, I, I've got, we've got real close friends and real close family members, it's not our place to tell them how to raise their kids, it's not our place to tell them how to, you know, have marriages, it's not our place to tell them how to do their finances, it's not our place to do anything of that case. If, if, now look, in my house... You know, with my wife and with my kids, obviously, I am going to make judgment calls when, it's, when I have the authority to do so. My wife will make judgment calls when she has the authority to do at work if I'm given a responsibility or I'm giving people to supervise or I'm told to do something. Then at that point, I'm going to make judgment calls. But you know what? I'm going to put myself in a lot of trouble if at work I start telling people, hey, you know, that supervisor over there, he should have done that, he should have done this. That's how, that's how you get a bad reputation. That's how you, you create heartache. So Jesus teaches us something here. When He's confronted with a situation, when He's asked to make a judgment call, when He's asked to, to either condemn or forgive somebody in a situation where He really doesn't have the human authority to make that decision, He just keeps His mouth shut. He just ignores them. And we've just got to learn as Christians to not overstep our boundaries. You know, people have certain boundaries set in their lives, and it would be in our best interest to stay within our boundaries and stay within the realm that we, you know, guide and that we have an authority over. And look, when it comes to your kids, train them right. Judge them right. Teach them right. But don't mess with other people's kids. You know, that's just good good logic. Good, And, and that's what Jesus teaches us. You know, when it comes to, to, to someone else's marriage, work on your marriage. Work on your issues. Leave everybody else alone. 
Jesus just, he heard them, and the Bible says he just sat down, started writing on the ground. And the, Bible, and he, and the key word of that verse is this, as though he heard them not. He heard what they said, but he just ignored them. Now, if you're like me, you're real curious as to what Jesus was writing. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what he was writing. And we, we don't know. And I think when, when we get to heaven, we'll find out. Maybe one of the first questions we'll ask Jesus was, in John chapter 8, what were you writing on the ground? Because the Bible doesn't tell us. But um, it, it's interesting. You know, I believe everything is put in the Bible for a reason. I don't, you know, I've heard people say, oh, he could have been writing anything. He was just writing addresses, or he was just writing whatever. I believe that he might have been writing something, and if, and if I know Jesus, which I, you know, don't, <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying to get to know him, but, but from, from what I know, I, you know, I know Jesus and the fact that I'm saved, you know, but, and I'm trying to learn from the Bible, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I know Jesus, you know, but, but, but if, we, if we can see Jesus' character and, and his consistency, everything revolves around the Word of God. If I had to guess, I would say he started writing down the Word of God. And it's interesting because based on whatever he is, you know, he's writing something and then he, he gets up and he makes a statement and, um, and we'll see what that is. Look at verse number... Uh, well, let's just read number 7. John chapter number 8 and look at verse 7. Well, let, let's read 6 again. This they said tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. And when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them... He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Now I don't know what Jesus was writing on the ground, but maybe he was writing Psalm 14.1. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read it for you. Psalm 41 says this, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. Here's the last part of that verse. There is none that doeth good. Maybe Jesus was writing Psalm 14.1 and he, and, he, and he was writing there with his finger on that dirt. And I'm not saying this is what he was writing. We don't know what he was writing. When we get to heaven, we'll find But maybe he was with his finger penning in the ground there these words. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Verse uh, 3 in Psalm 14, They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Maybe that's what he was writing. Maybe he was writing Lamentations chapter number 3 and verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new Every morning, great is thy faithful. And baby, baby, as these men brought this woman and they were accusing her and they were pointing her and they were embarrassing her and they brought her in the midst, maybe he was writing, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Maybe he was looking into the future and he was writing the words that would be penned down by, by, by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter number 3. Maybe he was writing with his finger there on the ground, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Maybe he was writing, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are, all, they are together because...
open sepulcher. Their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of ash is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Know we now that the things soever the know we now that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in the sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all, upon all, them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Maybe he was looking into, he- into the future, knowing that Romans 3.23 was already written in heaven and would be written on earth uh, in the future. Maybe he was writing with his finger, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't know. If I had to take a guess, I would guess that he was writing Scripture down. Maybe he was writing the Ten Commandments. Maybe he just wanted to show them that they were sinners also. But look at how he answers. He doesn't answer the question because he has no authority to answer that question. He has no authority to say, stone her or don't stone her. But look what he answers. He says, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw that... I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong verse. Uh, Verse number uh, 7. He's writing on the ground. And as he's writing, he's ignoring him. They keep asking him. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Now, what we got to understand is this. Let's first look at what Jesus didn't say. I want you to go with me in your Bibles to the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter number 20. Alright? In the Old Testament, the first book of the Bible in the Old Testament is Genesis. Then it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. So it's the third book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And I want you to go to Leviticus chapter number 20 and look at verse number 10. Leviticus chapter number 20 and look at verse number 10. Now a lot of people will say... They'll take this passage and they'll say, See, Jesus is against the death penalty. And that's not true. Jesus created the death penalty. He established the death penalty. God established the death penalty in, in, in the book of Genesis. And, and Jesus will never go against the law. So Jesus is not against the death penalty. But many people will look at this passage and they'll say, See, Jesus is against the death penalty. And we shouldn't have the death penalty anymore. But I want you to look at Leviticus chapter number 20 and look at verse 10. The Bible says, And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. So according to Leviticus chapter number 20 verse 10, it is very biblical that someone in adultery should be put to death. Jesus did not say, let's not kill her, let's not put her to death. That's not what he said. Alright? He didn't, we shouldn't put words into his mouth and we shouldn't take uh, different passages to try to prove uh, maybe some pet peeve that we want. He did not say that it was wrong to put her to death. He did not. He, in fact, he, he encouraged it. He said, hey, if you don't have any sin, cast the first stone. So he didn't say it was wrong to put her to death. He didn't say that, that, that she didn't deserve to be put to death. What he simply said was, he that is without sin among you let him cast 
a stone at her. Now, the interesting part of that prerequisite to put her to death is that no one could fit that. There is no one that is without sin. The only person on earth that is without sin is Jesus Christ. Jesus had the right at that point when He said, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Jesus had every right in the world at that point to pick up a stone and throw it at her. Now if you think about, in the, in the, the, the Jews would put people to death by stoning. If you think about how horrible of a death that is, I mean just, and I'm not trying to get you to think of a gruesome thought, but just think about how gruesome that would be. Imagine if there was a person, a woman, or a man, and there was a crowd surrounded around them. And these people were just going to go and pick up stones. I'm not talking about little rocks or whatever. But maybe they're just finding the biggest stone they can find. And they're just going to throw stones at this person until they are dead. Now, just think about this. If someone throws a stone, one stone at you, as hard as they can. You know, unless they hit you right in the perfect spot. Do you think that's just going to put you to death immediately? Probably not. Somebody just throws a stone at you and hits you in the shoulder. That's going to hurt, but that's not going to kill you. Somebody picks up another stone and throws it at you and throws it at you in the stomach. Now it's going to hurt. It's not going to kill you. But imagine if just a group of people all at the same time are just furiously throwing stones at you. One after the other after the other. I mean, think about it. If there's 10, 15, 20 people, one can grab a stone and throw it. And then while another one's throwing their stone, the same one's picking up and throwing another one. Just think about getting hit and hit and hit by a stone, by a stone, by a stone, till you're dead. And Jesus did not say, don't stone her. Jesus did not say, don't put her to death, I'm against the death penalty. If you notice, He didn't say, she's not worthy of death, because she was worthy of death. If you notice, He didn't say, oh, we should get rid of the death penalty, because she deserved the death penalty. Now again, I don't understand, you know, when we read the Leviticus 20.10, the Bible, the Bible says, And the man that committed adultery with another man's wife, even that committed adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Leviticus 20.10 says that you put the adulterer to death, and you put the adulterer to death. So I don't understand where the man uh, was. They weren't necessarily following the law of Moses uh, like it should have been followed. You know, they were being hypocrites in and of themselves because... They didn't bring men. But Jesus did not say she did not deserve to die. Because she did deserve to die. According to the Levitical law, if you commit adultery on your spouse, you deserve to be stoned. He didn't, in fact, he encouraged it. He said, He that is without sin, cast the first stone. He said, He that is without a sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. So he didn't say not to put her to death. He just said, If you're without sin, why don't you throw the first stone? Now, like I was saying, at that point, Jesus had every right to pick up a stone and cast it. Because He's the only one that's without sin. But if you look at this beautiful story, verse 7 says, So when they continued asking Him, He lifted up Himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, He stooped down and wrote on the ground. So He just made a statement. He said, if you think you have no sin, then go ahead and cast the first stone. And he went back down and wrote on the ground. Now Jesus is the only one that is without sin. And, I, and he had every right to pick up a stone and cast it. But he decided, I'm going to go back to the ground and I'm going to start writing. And look at verse 9. One of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. 
And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Could you just imagine this crowd? This group of angry scribes. This group of angry Pharisees. They come into the temple. There's a group, there's a, there, there's a crowd gathered. Jesus is teaching. They bring this one. I can have only imagine they're bringing her by. Maybe they, they, uh, a man grabbed her by her arm and just, Bible said they set her in the midst. I can imagine they kind of just threw her in the midst, in the middle of everybody. They, they told everybody what she was caught doing. They put, you know, they're saying they want to put her there. I can imagine these people have stones in their, in their hands. You know, I don't know if they necessarily were going to put her to death. I know that in the Bible, uh, in, in John chapter number 9, Jesus Christ is going to say that before Abraham was, I am. And the Bible said they picked up stones and stoned him. So I'm sure they were willing to put people to death even though they weren't supposed to. Uh, maybe they had stones in their hands ready to cast at this woman. And when he said, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And he stooped down and wrote on the ground... Could you just imagine this crowd just thinking? Could you imagine as you hear, maybe people, as they decide, they, don't, they no longer want to do this. Maybe you hear the stone fall out of their hands and hit the ground as they walk off. I mean, could you imagine that sight? You see this group of angry mob who are condemning this woman to death. Because their heart is hardened, because they, because they have no love, and because they don't, they don't necessarily care to uphold the Bible because they didn't bring a man. They don't necessarily care about this woman. They're just embarrassing her, and, they, and, and, and they're just using her to be able to uh, tempt Jesus so they can accuse Him. And can you imagine as their hearts are convicted, and the guilt sets in. And, and by the way, let me say this. The only time the word conviction is found in the Bible, it's not about they're being convicted by their, by their own, by themselves. You know, people say, oh, you get convicted by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reproves you of sin. The Holy Spirit reproves you, and, 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 and the Word of God rebukes you. Your heart that is what, what gives you that conviction, that guilt. They felt guilty. And as, I, can only, I can just imagine as one began to walk away and just dropped a stone, as, as another dropped a stone, as another, and, 